Jay Gurudev, This Book is Health, Wealth, and Spirituality by Pandit Shriram Sharma Acharya. Healthcare and Spirituality Health has become most sought after and precious asset these days. Even if one does not have any ailment or health problem today, he or she is not sure of remaining fit in the near future too. The fear and risk of physical and psychological diseases and disorders in the present times are unprecedented. The causes are numerous. Air, water, pollution, variety of viruses, food, adulteration, use of pesticides and other hazardous chemicals in day-to-day life in several forms, stresses of traffic, workload, competition, financial insecurities, terror attacks, etc. To control, what to change and how. Everyone who thinks is confronted with these concerns in one way or the other. The rising cost of medication, hospitalization, and health insurance adds to these concerns. Everyone who is health conscious is in search of some guidance to minimize the risk to his or her health. Many doctors and medical scientists too have geared up with a new interest in finding risk-free, viable solutions. The upcoming trends of healthcare underline the need for holistic or multidimensional approach. The World Health Organization, or WHO, defines health as a state of physical, mental, and social well-being, and not necessarily the absence of disease and infirmity. In a popular article, Dr. H.S. Wazir, head of cardiology department of All India Institute of Medical Sciences, has pointed out the need of fourth dimension, spiritual well-being. He asserts that spiritual energy, the other components of health, namely physical, mental, and social. Similar views were also expressed by several other doctors of international repute. For example, in one of his review articles on research in spirituality and health, Dr. Joel Siva, Director of Outcomes, research in the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of Cincinnati, USA, has said, We tend to focus just on what medical professionals can address, physical functioning and mental health. In the scheme of things, I think spiritual well-being is also an important component of someone's quality of life. Without spirituality, no resource or support, be that physical vigor, mental sharpness, or prosperous social status, can ensure positivity and righteousness in one's interpersonal dealings and responses to life's many pressures and challenges and consequent stresses. The Conventional approach of clinical health cannot take care of tensions and stresses. Tension and stress are two universally recognized causes of a wide range of diseases, gripping larger and larger sections of the developed, urban and upper middle class of the world. The other sections of the human society, too, are not free from their clutches. Stress is no longer regarded as only a psychological problem. It has been affirmed as a principal cause of psychosomatic disorders such as heart attacks, angina, arrhythmias, hypertension, peptic ulcers, ulcerative colitis, some forms of cancer, and certain skin diseases. The modern world has noticed it and efforts are also on to find feasible and effective models of stress management via several kinds of seductive medicines, nerve relaxing games, exercises, amusement tools, and activities for mental diversion and rejuvenation. More and more people are also tending towards yogasan practice. But stress is too complex and deep-rooted to tackle and cannot be removed by external means alone.
The term stress is defined precisely in physics as force divided by area of impact, but there is no such pinpointed definition at physiological, neurological, or psychological levels. For practical purposes, physicians and psychologists broadly describe it as a disturbed state of mind resulting from the imbalance between the demands of a person's environment and that person's capability to meet this demand. A close cousin of stress is depression, which also causes or aggravates a wide spectrum of psychosomatic disorders, including low blood pressure, anxiety, suicidal tendencies, insomnia, some kinds of cancers, amentia, epilepsy, sciatica, etc. It mainly arises due to one's inability to get what one expects and aspires from the world for one's own self. Neither modern medical science nor any alternative medication mode has been able to cure stress and depression without incorporating some sort of psycho-spiritual healing. But then a natural question arises. How spirituality could help combating these problems? In what respect would it be different from and would complement use of psychiatry and clinical psychology? Still a broader question, what should be the mode of incorporating this? New dimension into healthcare modules. Can healthcare system ensure health for all by focusing on this component? Before attempting to answer these vital questions and addressing related issues of what one is supposed to do at personal level to benefit from it, we should first understand that psychiatry and psychology, as renowned experts of modern medicine also affirm, deal mainly with mental well-being, that too in the stress sense of not having any abnormality or disorder. The diagnostic and therapeutic models under these disciplines mainly focus at weakness or malfunctioning at the brain level. The entity of mind itself is recognized and studied here with the respect to behavioral aspects and manifestation of brain functions. But mind is a faculty of consciousness force. It exists at much higher and sublime plane than the brain. It derives sustenance and evolutionary thrust from spirituality. Spirituality pertains to enlightenment and vigor at the levels of subconsciousness and the unconscious mind, and hence at the deeper roots of emotions. The role of spirituality in healthcare has several dimensions. 1. Spirit healing. 2. Preventative impact of spiritual practices. 3. Overall well-being and improvement and enhancement of vitality, immunity, and physical and mental potentials by augmenting spiritual strength. 1. Healing. Spiritual healing, or faith healing as it was popularly called in Western countries until modern scientists begin to recognize the vast domain and sound foundation of spirituality, had been used by mankind in varieties of ways since prehistoric times. In fact, this perhaps was the earliest mode practiced in different forms in different parts of the world to cure the physical and mental suffering of the masses. Ayurveda, the ancient Indian science of life and healthcare, known to be the earliest science of medicine, is derived from the Vedic knowledge of spirituality. Mantra therapy, yoga therapy, healing by the vital spiritual energy of the yogis, saints, and spiritual masters, prayers have been integral part of treatments recommended and practiced in ancient India. Ayurveda's pharmacology, too, 
in its original form, relied on awakening the vital power of herbal plant medicines by spiritual practices. Ancient Chinese science of medicine also incorporates similar approaches. Prayers, touch healing by the masters has also been common to the ancient healing practices in almost all parts of the world. Brahmanic healing, hypnosis, Reiki, etc. are revived forms of these modes of treatment which are being popular among the health-conscious people these days. Also, across the globe, most people pray for fast recovery and vigor when they themselves or their near or dear ones fall sick. Some modern medical centers and research groups have also taken up and thoroughly investigate the effect and scientific basis of spiritual healing practices. 2. Preventative care. We all must have experienced it in our day-to-day transactions that a relaxed and balanced mind is more productive than one that is agitated and tensed. Tension and stress may lead to wrong decisions and further aggravate the negativity and consequent risk of disturbing mental and physical health. So we must prevent the causes of stress. Conditioning and training of body and mind is the foremost requirement to achieve this. Spiritual disciplines and practices are universal modes for preventative care and healthy body development, growth of mind-body system. Spirituality is the essence of all religious teachings. It should not be confused with observance of rituals, communal customs, ceremonial sacraments, and doctrines. Self-study and improvement of thinking and actions in the light of illuminated teaching of elevated souls is an integral component of spiritual practices. Reading of religious sculptures and attending discourses or discussions on these are also often prescribed for self-study, but it should be remembered that what is referred in this context is only the text which deals with pure knowledge, which inspires human mind and heart towards divinity. Every religion has this light at its core. It is the soul of religion. Indeed, the ultimate purpose of true religion is to motivate people to righteous actions. Unfortunately, people only regard the body, the external sacramental dogmatic form of their religions as per the popular norms of majority belonging to their commune, and thus confine their faith and righteousness only to these superficial horizons. The time-tested teachings, lives, and works of saints, irrespective of when, where, in which society they were born, what was the so-called religion of their parents, show us the light of religion. Their words of wisdom, like the eternally consistent teachings of the true religion, though expressed in different languages and ways, give us instant support, strength, hope, and positive directions in moments of adversity, hardship, and tensions, and thus annul all possibility of stress. Reading and contemplating over such sagacious thoughts is therefore simple but effective motives, remaining free from all stresses and depression. Chanting of devotional hymns and prayers without, with a feeling of surrendering our ego, our self-identity at the feet of God also calms the mind, relieves its pain and sorrows, and fills it with new energy and joy. Self-restraint, which is an essential discipline and foundational component of spiritual practices, prevents downward flow of the currents of pran, and gradually enhances vital energy, inner strength, and willpower. A spiritually fit person is therefore not only free from stresses, depression, and all emotional and mental 
complications and protected from dissipation of his vital energy and hence from all infirmities, but he or she also becomes physically and mentally stronger, alert, and dynamic. Yoga exercises, asanas, and pranayams are also part of spiritual practices for sustenance of a healthy and hearty life. Meditation is a higher level yoga that not only calms and rejuvenates the mind, but also gradually awakens and prepares it for spiritual progress. We must give ourselves a chance to experiment with the above stated spiritual practices. It will also help cultivate a positive temperament, see the good indwelling within and pervading around us. 3. Progress. Spirituality, because of its reach into the deeper depths of emotion, has intense impact on one's aspirations and thought process. Spiritual attitude trains us to live harmoniously with our environment and to meet the challenges of life at personal, familial, professional, and social levels. It thus elevates clarity and focus of mind and sharpens its incisive intellectual potentials. Yoga in its totality is a practical science of spiritual progress. It makes you realize yourself and know and use your total potential. And powers. Once your mind is trained to recognize all this with the help of meditation and other higher level yogic endeavors, all your selfish desires, ambitions, attachments, greed, envy, anger, negative instincts, etc. loosen their grip and are gradually uprooted completely. This unfolds the beginning of absolute well-being. Wealth and Spirituality Because of its materialistic connotation and worldly nature, wealth is often a debatable issue in the context of spirituality. Many people regard wealth as an antithesis to spirituality. Religious preaching and lives of saints also espouse austerity and renunciation. But in spite of their faith and respect for such teachings, most people would find it hard to even think of living without substantial worldly resources. More so in today's world when smooth discharge of primary duties, like good education of children, youngsters, the family, or adequate health care of elderly, parents, etc. itself demands sizable sums. What to do then? Sometime or the other, this puzzle must be turning the minds of all who think. Till the past few decades, the scenario continued to be overshadowed by materialistic attitude that mushroomed with massive industrial growth and urbanized civilization. The majority would not have bothered to care for the role of spirituality in human life. However, the rising trends of disharmony in the families, social conflict, psychosomatic problems, general feelings of insecurity, etc. have now made people realize that some links of life have got missed somewhere in a single-track pursuit of money, name, fame, and lavish possessions. More and more people are now getting interested in knowing and practicing spiritual principles in their quest for stress-free modes of work and fulfillment. It is therefore in the fitness of things to look at the affluence and prosperity with the perspective of spirituality. The Vedic Indian culture attributes wealth, earth, as one of the four vital accomplishments, dharma, earth, karma, and moksha, of human life. Dharma, earth, and kam are the foundational pillars of human life. Aimed at ultimate enlightenment and transcendental ascent, moksha, dharma, refers to righteous conduct and performance of altruistic duties, 
Earth wealth is the source of attainment of worldly resources and prosperous progress. Gam means creative zeal for pleasure and fulfillment of desires. Arishi, Vedic sage, says, implying apart from its other benefits, knowledge endows one with humility. This adds to one's qualities which enable one to earn dhan. Wealth. Wealth is used to carry out righteous duties to eventually attain unallowed joy. Indeed, total renunciation of wealth or sacrificing material resources is not possible in today's world, even for the seekers of spiritual elevation. Even the bare minimum necessities of sustaining a normal life would require some resources in some form. Those having responsibilities towards the family need much more. Escaping from duties is a wrong and anti-spiritual act. Without any money or worldly supports, one would neither be able to hear the worldly responsibilities nor discharge their religious duties. Ancient scriptures enunciate multiple facets of this issue, which are reinvestigated and guided by some noted thinkers of the present times. Lakshmi, the goddess of prosperity, is referred in Hindu mythology as the better half of God Vishnu, the almighty preserver, protector, and eternal guardian of the universe. Lord Vishnu would not have been able to run the world without Lakshmi. You will always find the idols of Narayan and Lakshmi both enshrined in the temples. So what this depiction teaches us is that the worship of God is incomplete without Lakshmi. We must understand here that worshipping of God is not confined to rituals in the temples with devotional prayers, etc. More essential is to worship his creation by making the world better and happier, by offering benevolent service and help to fellow beings, by protecting the other life forms and the orderly system of nature. Our efforts in this regard would mostly be worldly acts for which we would need potential support and resources, including money. The Almighty certainly would not like to see his crown prince, the human being, deprived of anything. He has endowed the human body and mind with marvelous faculties and has provided abundance of resources in the manifested nature so that everyone could live with dignity and proceed on the path of evolution. A believer of God must therefore be a believer of his own potentials and make the best use of these to be self-dependent and prosperous. Daridrata, poverty, because of lethargy, wrong attitude, negativity, and or bad habits is spiritual defect. Not having money or not making any effort for earning or managing wealth is in no manner a sign of austerity or sacrifice. Austerity and sacrifice in its truest sense are linked with detachment from selfless possession and passion for lavish comforts. In fact, earning and expanding wealth by augmenting the necessary talents and by using proper means and spending it righteously for good purposes is highly regarded as part of dignity of human life. Spiritual attitude nurtures this dignity. Oriston Modern, the author of celebrity book Peace Power Plenty, comments, Poor are those who lack self-confidence and who have no faith. He further writes, People can alter their circumstances if they believe in and know their own powers. Everyone can succeed in prosperous progress through determination, courage, and unflinching hard work to attain the envisaged goals. Wealth is a grace of goddess Lakshmi and hence a boon for those who acquire it by sincere use of their talents and diligence without compromising their integrity. 
It then bestows all-round prosperity. On the contrary, it would sooner or later invite hordes of problems and worries if the motive or mode of earning was immoral or was driven by averse. A greedy and stingy fellow, even if he was gifted a grand treasure, would never be able to enjoy it. Unrestrained cravings for wealth would, sometime or the other, divert one from the path of honesty and drag him into the mire of corruption and debauching addictions. The attractions for glamour and luxury and passions for sensual pleasures are mutually catalyzing. They also fuel infatuating evils like gambling, wine, and carnal lust. It is wealth entrapped in this apparently subtle but vicious cycle of avarice and selfish attachments that is loudly criticized in the teaching of spirituality, as it is the root of perversion, decline, and fall of spiritual values and human glory. Shastras, ancient Indian texts, guide the aspirants of wealth as to who is blessed by the goddess Lakshmi. The style of these texts or prehistoric times may be rhetoric and often presented as anecdotes in which the goddess is herself conversing with the devotee. This sounds unusual today, but the inherent teachings are universal. Continue to be valid even now. One can't attain prospering wealth and consequent peace and joy if one disobeys or ignores these teachings. Let us look at some excerpts. Responding to a devotee's query, Goddess Lakshmi explains, Meaning one, reside in the home of those who are alert and wise, who are soft-spoken, dutiful, strong, angerless, and who have an attitude of gratitude, control over the organs, and who are devoted to God. To noble values and disciplines. Indeed, in, irrespective of whether one attempts to generate, expand, and preserve wealth via business, agriculture, professional jobs, government service, etc., all the above specified qualities are essential to ensure career growth and support and cooperation of financiers, customers, and colleagues. Devotion to the scriptural disciplines is not possible without cultivation of integrity of character, sincerity, and sensitivity with inner strength. These virtues are necessary for personal growth and sustained success. Another crucial quality for the grace of Goddess Lakshmi is industriousness, diligence with perseverance and foresight. The Shastras stress this fact as, the Shastras also warn that only having skills, talents, and industriousness may provide sharp rise in riches, but the gains won't last long if one adapts immoral means, as these will always load one with risks, threats, and legal problems, and dangerous partners in the murky deals. A scriptural saying conveys this fact, thus, meaning one, I am always there only with those who attain wealth by moral means and use it in noble deeds. I protect and look after them like my children. Yet another hymn conveys that goddess of prosperity keeps off from those who accumulate negativity and filth in their inner or other person outer personality and conduct. If somehow such people are able to accumulate wealth in liability for them, it will disrupt peace of their minds and pile up adversities rather than any real joy in their life. The ill fate of black money is a live example of this sort in today's life. Having taught the disciplines and qualities necessary for earning wealth worth its real purpose, the scriptures, including the Vedas, also prescribe the best ways to spend and expand wealth and augment the happy progress 
of a family and consequently of the society. The first hymn highlights the importance of constructive use and savings for what is necessary for the well-being of the family. The second one implies charity for philanthropic projects. It says, earned by hundred hands and donate by thousands. It is pathetic to see that hardly anyone cares for such teachings anymore. Corruption seems to have crossed all limits today in people's race for grabbing more and more power and status by snatching hordes of money and property. Man has lost his identity. ...of false status and show-off, life seems to be thriving on artificiality. The crack foundations of life and its values, coupled with the delusive charm of luxuries and glamour, have silenced the inner inspirations that strengthen the mind and nurture wisdom. By and large, people have become so used to comforts that restraining these appears hard to them. Bearing hardships for the sake of morality sounds like a madman's craze today. This is a major cause of weakening of the mind that has induced a sense of insecurity amongst most people. Driven by, by this sense, one tends to accumulate enough money as a precautionary measure to feel secured. Instead of seeing lack of wisdom in extravagant social functions and customs of pompous arrangements and squandering money in birthday bashes, wedding ceremonies, etc., one feels obliged to save money for similar things back home. And this is a sign of maturity. Riches have become the yardstick of honor in our social system. The wealthier you are, the more respectable you are supposed to be in today's world. Because of superficial outlook, many people only the riches one has without bothering about from where and how this money was earned. Even if people know of something wrong in its means, they do not care. Not only that, many consider this as a better option to make money. Why labor so hard and take pains if a shortcut of corrupt practices, fraud, and cheating others is available? What kind of social trends are these? If this is what we are feeding to the children, money would naturally become their prime goal. Why should we even then expect them to have any values? What foresight we, the intelligent beings, have for their future? Those among us who want to improve the scenario, at least, at the personal and familial levels must see that spiritual attitude alone can liberate us from the false pulls and notions. Focusing on what is already there in your life and not on what you don't have may sound like age-old preaching of positive thinking, but it remains an important and effective principle even today. Modern age teachers of the wealthier world also underline this fact in their teachings. Dr. Deepak Chopra's remark fabulously endorses it. There is a power in knowledge, desire, and spirit, and the power within you is the key to creating affluence. Adoption of spirituality in thoughts strengthens emotional fitness and encourages disciplined lifestyle that ensures physical and mental well-being. It also motivates industriousness, dedicated efforts for refinement of talent, honest earning, and prudent spending, and thus endows one with what is required to have lasting prosperity.